Well, Katie, welcome to the next episode of How to Jab and Knock Out the Competition with Real Sales and Marketing Results. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Doing awesome. Well, let's jump right into it. So let's talk about your where your passion for sales started. Tell me a little bit about how that how that developed from your perspective. Sure. You know, for me, the main part of it was that I wanted to be like my dad um, because I thought it was so cool how he always used to be able to be the one to take us to our dentist appointments. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I loved how he was at home and I would see him talk on the phone with people and I loved his schedule and I loved that he wasn't in an office. And when I first got out of college, I, I did go into an office. I had an office job. It was not sales. And I, the more I thought about it, I'm like, what am I doing? Why I should be in sales because I feel like I could actually sell stuff and I, I don't want to be in an office. I, I just couldn't do that. So um, I, did, I made it my goal to, to start doing medical equipment sales. I don't know why that just became my goal, but it was. And so I just kept working until I finally was able to do that. And that was where I spent, but that's where I spent most of my career since then. So awesome. Well, th that's really cool. So let, let's talk about your, your, um, uh, experience with Philips on how you grew from a 0% market share to 30% uh, back in the, in the mid 2000 before the lovely Lehman's collapse. How did, help, help me understand how you were able to take something that wasn't there and create just a revenue stream from basically starting from scratch. It was hard. You know, I don't think I realized how hard it was going to be until I got in there because Philips is such a huge name that I thought it would be kind of easy to go in and say, I'm working, I'm, I'm at Philips. And they were, it, you know, in theory, it should have been easier, but it was a product that was actually a, um, at the time, was actually not manufactured by Philips. It was actually like a third party that we were um, contracting with. And so that made it even harder. And just try to get those appointments. And just, I was a road warrior. You know, I was on the road constantly. And it was one of those where it took a while to get it going. Like the first year I sold 130000 which was, you know, between, I think that was starting like in June or something. Um, so it wasn't bad for a first year, but then by the second year, I was at over a million, you know, so it, it just, it built pretty quickly. And what the main reason that it built quickly is I was able to get a couple of pretty big IDNs signed on pretty big accounts that were had multiple deals going. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was truly just by cold calling that I got it going. So I was just I was just going to dovetail in, into the phone aspect of it, right? So I'm just curious with that experience, how much of it was cold calling and how much of it was just knocking on doors and trying to get to the to the decision maker at these um, targets or at these, you know, uh, target companies you are pursuing? Yeah, it was all, I mean, there probably are people that go to a hospital and just kind of wander around, not necessarily now during COVID. I, that was never really my personality. I wanted to have an appointment. So a hundred percent of my appointments were pre-planned. You know, I would call on the phone and just keep calling. It was a combination of calling, emailing, you know, LinkedIn, all, all the things that I could do to get them on the phone um, and get them to make an appointment with me. And I also did always try to, because I had a pretty big territory, you know, some of my accounts were eight hours away. I always made it a point to try to qualify a little bit before I would drive there <laughs> because, you know, it was very time consuming to drive to these places. 
um, if they didn't have a deal going. So I would, I, I developed um, a pretty good questioning technique that I now teach to people where I would try to find out, like, do they have actually some products that they want to, that they're going to be looking at, or do they have something brand new? You know, do they, what are their pain points? But of course you don't word it like that. What are their pain points? And try to get some information before you get to the meeting. So the meeting is more successful when you get there. But yeah, I mean, everything I did was, you know, there was nothing in there when I started. It was all just from cold calling. So let me ask you this, because um, I'm having flashbacks of all the cold calls I used <laughs> to make. Um, where did you develop your tips and tricks? Where did you develop your skill set on, you know, honing your craft, right? As, as, it, as it relates to, you know, uh, you know, that what, three to five second, right? If you don't catch them then, right, you're SOL. So help me understand, you know, what did you do to teach yourself how to be effective with those types of cold calls? Well, it was a combination of, I read a lot of books. I read a book called Smart Calling. I read, um, you know, just a bunch of different books on cold calling. And I kind of took notes of the thing, different things that I really liked from those. Um, and then I did, they, Phillips did put me through some pretty extensive sales training um, at when we first started. It was uh, kind of like reminiscent of what they used to do with, with uh, pharma reps, which they probably still do. I don't know um, where you go and you live in Boston for, you know, three, I think it was a month where we just were, do, you know, some of it was product related, but a lot of it was sales training because a lot of us were starting off from scratch. Um, and then once I got out there, I just took super meticulous notes. I would try something. And if it didn't work, I would, I would write it down and be like, don't try that again. And I would try something else. And then I got to a point where I was really figuring out through, I mean, you know, they say that you get become an expert by doing something for <laughs> hours and hours and hours. And I think I just really became an expert by trying things out because I, I mean, it, so much of my day was cold calling at the beginning. I didn't have any appointments. I didn't have any customers. I didn't have anybody wanting quotes. So I would spend, you know, eight hours a day and I just took notes and just kind of became my own expert at it. That's awesome. And in training, obviously, and, and I, you know, I love what you said about meticulous, right? Being very meticulous in, in your process, your vision, your goals, right? Because as you and I know, and for those out there in the audience, like smiling and dialing, right, is easier said than done because it does get exhausting. Um, you know, I think back to just, you know, I, I felt like there were some days where I just picked up the phone and people are like ready to chat. Right. And then there were other days where they just, you know, it was just one of those things where they wanted nothing to do with me. Right. So being able to power through, you know, your day to day, um, uh, kudos to you <laughs> because I know it's not easy. Yeah. And I, I think you're, you're so right. It's uh, some days just totally click and other days don't. And you just have to kind of keep pushing. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's um, let's transition into your consulting business. And I'd, I'd, I'd like to understand, you know, did you have an aha moment of, you know, your journey, your path to running your own business, running your own consulting firm, you know, help me understand a little bit about what that, you know, what your story is, as it relates to transitioning into, you know, running your own business. Sure. Yeah. My story is a little bit unique because the main reason that I transitioned is honestly because my husband is a physician and mm. um, he was doing a fellowship um, for the Denver Broncos. Oh. And so we had to move out of Kansas City. <laughs> and so wow. um, I, yeah. So I, you know, I had to give up my territory because I was covering Kansas, Missouri and Nebraska at the time and not Colorado. And so I thought about, well, should I transition to a new role? Should I, you know, change companies? And I just, at the time, you know, my kids were little and my husband was busy and I thought, you know, I'm going to go out on my own and see what I can do and, and then not have to travel as much, hopefully at the beginning at least. 
And, um, and I love, I loved training. So it had gotten to a point at Phillips where for a while there, when they would hire somebody, they would just say, call Katie, she'll get you figured out. And I had kind of developed my own curriculum just because I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun to be able to bring in somebody new to, who had, you know, maybe no sales background or certainly no medical background and kind of help get, get them up and running. So I was kind of doing it for free because I enjoyed it. And so I thought, you know, I, I can do this. I, I like it. And I have success stories now over the years of doing it. And so I just kind of went out on my own once we moved to Denver and, and just started it up. That's awesome. I, I just, I love hearing these stories of just how things happen, right? Because right. It, it's funny. People ask me, well, Chris, like, you know, there, there's no sign. You just have to kind of do it, right? Um, and, and that's awesome that you just said, you know, and it's a passion, right? I think that's another important piece of this is, you are passionate about what you do, right? And I tell that for anyone that I come across is just love what you do, be passionate and just, you know, let the chips fall where they may. You just don't know where it's going to take you. Um, so you provide a ton of value on LinkedIn because I see it all the time and I tend to comment on quite a bit of it. Um, and you spend a lot of time researching the VOC. I love the VOC, which stands for voice of the customer, right? So talk to me a little bit about, you know, what are some current trends you're seeing with clients? as it relates to the do's and don'ts of sales rep, right? So can you give us a little insight on, you know, current trends that you're seeing, as, as, as you, that you're seeing, you know, especially with the pandemic of do's and don'ts that sales reps should or shouldn't do as it relates to all the feedback you're getting from, from clients? Yeah, one in particular comes to mind, which is regarding video messages. Mm. You know, video messages are not something that I did a lot of um, before the pandemic. I mean, you know, just people didn't do it. I'm sure there were people doing it, but, uh, but I wasn't necessarily one. And I did a, um, a webinar with like a chief nursing officer and a CEO of a hospital. And um, there were several, you know, leadership gals that on it. And I asked them about video messages specifically. And they all said, I would totally click on that. Like I would have no reservations to click on it. And I would much prefer getting that over an email, especially a long minute email like we tend to get. And I said, are you getting, you know, are you getting very many of these? And they're like, no, we're really not. And we're kind of, I, I wish that we were because I love the idea of them. And so as I've told people that story, people are starting to do it. Um, as I had a training that I did a couple of weeks ago and the guy after the training, he sent out an email almost immediately, you know, within an hour. And he said, I went ahead and tried the, the, the video message to, to a customer I've been trying to get a hold of for months. And he's like, they called me within seconds and they were, they were like, oh, I'm so sorry. It took us so long. You know, I'm so sorry you had to send us this message. We've been meaning to get back to you. And it really does move the process along. And I think customers are really accepting of it much more than they would have been pre prior to the pandemic. Yeah, that's awesome. I, same boat, you know, I never really thought about video, <laughs> you know, smile and dial, right, as, as, as a sales rep. But boy, I mean, being able to personalize, right, and being able to tailor it to who you're targeting, right, or who you're trying to, you know, develop a conversation with, I think is, um, I mean, that's gold, right? Um, so let's jump into cold calling a little bit. Let's, let's delve in a little bit of the devils in the details in a sense that, you know, what, three to five seconds, right, is your time to shine, is your ability to capture them, right? What are some tips and tricks that you train on to really make sure the reps are maximizing their time when they're trying to get their prospect on the phone? And then when they do, because I know from experience, I used to have a lot of stage fright. <laughs> um, I would have a script. And then when they when they didn't follow the script, I would, I would become nervous Nelly um, early on in my career. So help me understand 
you know, what are some things that sales reps can do in that three to five seconds to really capture their attention in having a meaningful conversation? Yeah, I mean, I think I think having a script is actually really great. I, I'm a big proponent of scripts. Um, okay. I think winging it is, um, you know, you can you can wing it as you get more experienced for sure. I mean, I wing a lot of my videos even mm. now. But you know, when especially when you're first starting out and you are nervous, I think a script is beautiful. I see a lot of st- I see a lot of recommendations from people from sales gurus where they'll say you should just say I know this is an eruption. I I know it's a cold call. Can I get 30 seconds to explain why I'm calling? Hmm. And I, I really don't recommend this strategy because customers have told me that it's a pet peeve. You know, they, you, you've now by saying all of those words, you've already wasted 15 seconds of their time or 30 seconds or whatever. So what people say to me and what I have done myself that works really well is just pure and simple, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Katie Mullen. I'm calling from Phillips. And stop talking, you know, or, or you can say, I, I handle the vital science monitors and stop talking and see what they say. See if they say, hi, then you know that they're going to be kind of friendly. You can get into it maybe a little bit. If they're like, yeah, then you know that you need to pivot and say, oh, you know, should I call you back another time? And you and you follow their lead. Um, I'm a big fan of the very specific words. Are you swamped? I hate the words. Did I catch you at a bad time? Uh. Because yeah, did I catch you at a bad time? They're going to say, yeah, you did actually. For some reason, the, swapping it like that and saying, did I, are you swamped? Often they will say, no, it's fine. What, what do you want? And so I, I think that the, and again, you just find that out by, by taking notes and trying different things. That just, a phrase came into my brain one day and I tried it and I was like, wow, this is really working. I'm going to keep using this. And, and now my script is in my own brain. Um, you know, so I would say if you, if all those fails, silence. And I know that sounds weird. You know, silence on a phone is very uncomfortable, but it allows the customer to not feel like you're forcing a bunch of stuff down their throat that they don't want. And then you can take the conversation where it needs to go. That's awesome. I'm glad you brought that up because I think I commented on a, on a recent post you did, and maybe it was yesterday about, my goodness, it took me so long <laughs> for people like they tell me all the time, like, Chris, stop talking and let just, just stop. <laughs> Let the silence dictate, like you said, the pivot, because, you know, again, that script and like, oh, my God, if, if things don't go along the way that I practice, right, then, you know, is that, you know, those early stages of nervous Nelly, right? Um, but I love that you brought up the fact of silence and silence is golden, right? And I think that kind of aligns with your golden rule podcast. But um, talk to me about why, I guess, the silence aspect, I think, sometimes people get lost because they just, I think in their head, it's, if I don't say certain things that I've prepped the call for, right, it's almost, they almost feel like I've lost, right? But help me understand, like, why is silence golden? Why is it important as it relates to prospecting in general? Well, I, I can't tell you how many times I will tell someone, I will give someone this advice, and they will come back and say, that worked so well. The customer thanked me. You know, mm. sales is all about these, these relationships and the trust that you're building. So if you interrupt somebody by calling them on the phone and you launch it into a big, long thing, or you even waste their time by asking them if it's okay, if you keep talking, 
you know, you're immediately putting yourself kind of in the negative in the trust department. So mm. what I think works a lot better is if they say, yeah, this is a really bad time. Cause sometimes it just really might legitimately be a bad time, Yep. which I always think to myself, why did you even answer the phone then? But you know, that's another story. Um, <laughs> but if they legitimately say this is a bad time, then just let them get off the phone. Don't even feel like you need to introduce yourself or explain why you're calling or who you're calling from. Just let them get off the phone quickly. And that will alone make you stand out so much because nobody does that. And then when you call them again, say, I'm sorry, I caught you at a bad time last time. And so often people will say, thank you so much for letting me get off the phone. You know, most people don't do that. And I really did need to get off the phone. Thank you. And so you're starting off as in such a great trust position with them that you would have not been in if you hadn't let them get off the phone. And they will remember <laughs> that you did that. And so often when I tell people to do that, they'll say, God, that really did work. I just had someone this week thank me for the same thing. Now, of course, it cause, creates a little more work because you got to get them on the phone a second time. But, you know, if they answered the phone the first time in the middle of whatever they were in the middle of, chances are they're a phone answerer and they're going to answer again. Yeah, I love that you, the, again, that word trust jumped right out at me, right? Trust and credibility is building that trust and them trusting you, right? Because I'm now I'm thinking back to how many times vendors would call me saying, hey, Chris, did I catch you a good time? And Katie, <laughs> like nine times out of 10, guess what I would say? Yeah, you did. You know, I've got other <laughs> things going on, right? right. Um, you know, and then they try to play the game of, you know, uh, you know, oh, thanks, I'll, you know, or, or, hey, when can I call you back, right? So you're right. I, I just, that pivot is really interesting because as I, as I think back to all the times where people said, hey, did I catch you at a bad time versus are you swamped? Boy, oh boy, that's, that's an interesting perspective um, that I think obviously, you know, based on, based on what you're conveying that resonates much better than, you know, um, did I catch you at a bad time? Because of course, the, 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 the human condition is, well, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're busy juggling a million things at once, right? That's just what we do. Right. Um, so let's jump into real quick a little bit about, we, we talked about it a few minutes ago, but I want to jump back into it a little bit more as video. So what is your perspective? What is your thought process on, you know, personalizing videos? You know, do you train folks on, you know, 30 second, 50 second pers personalized videos to prospect? Help me understand kind of your thought process on using video, you know, to really elevate prospecting from a sales standpoint. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of using it as a first reach out. And okay. I have tried it and tested it and I don't love it for, okay. because I just don't think that they're willing to click on it. And it's just, um, there's something about it that, that just doesn't work. Sure. I think it's great even for us, even if you've, all you've done is send them a LinkedIn message the first time and just, uh, you know, made a connection request. I think that's fine. Or if you've, all you've done is leave them a voicemail. I think that's fine. If all you've done is send them a cold email, as long as it's a second touch, I ah, think it's great. Okay. And if that is, if it's a second touch, I think it needs to be very short, like 30 seconds or less and just be real smiley and friendly and just say you're, you know, wanting to introduce yourself. And then you'd follow up a third time with maybe a request for a meeting or a phone call or whatever. The other thing I really love it for is I, I've had so many situations with me personally, not just me teaching this, but me personally testing this, where I'll have a conversation with somebody, the sale will be starting to move along and they'll say, you know, the dreaded, okay, send me some information so I can take it to my boss, you know? Uh. And, um, but you know, that is a legitimate part of the sales process. Typically they do have to talk to their boss. So, um, or their manager, whoever, CEO, or whoever it is, that's the next on the flagpole. And what I find works so well is to say, 
would, would, would you mind, I'll go ahead and send you a brochure for sure. And you can check out my website and I'll send you a proposal. Can I also send a video for you to show your boss? And they all, a hundred percent of the time have said yes, no problem. And then I send them a video and I can see who has viewed it. And if anyone has viewed it and often I'll, I'll send it out and I'll, I'll see when they sent it out because I'll get like 10 views within a 30 second period. And I'm like, okay, something's happening. People are watching this. They can see me. They can see I'm a legitimate person. And I have gotten the sign off um, and the green light just from sending that video. Now, of course, in the complex sales cycle, it's not going to be that easy. But still, it gets you in front of a decision maker, especially in the, during these COVID times, in a much easier way than trying to get in person in an in-person meeting or even a Zoom meeting with them. Yeah, that, that I, I that's I love that perspective, right? That um, right. I think I don't know what the exact number is. You, you may know. I think you know the amount of what decision makers right it takes to close a deal. Is it something like seven to ten? Maybe that's changed in the last few years. But you're right. I mean, you're you're having to pitch, right? Um, and it was obviously maybe easier to some degree, you know, pre-pandemic, right? Where you're you're in a meeting with all the influencers, decision makers, right? Where you're you're giving your last pitch, right? And you're you you know your goal is to get them to sign on the dotted line. But yeah, if you can set up that video and then say, hey, do you mind sending this video to your decision maker? Boy, oh boy, I'm just thinking out loud about how that can expedite the process from a sales cycle standpoint, right? Where you're not spinning your wheels with, you know, setting up another Zoom meeting or, you know, you know, ticked off because, you know, maybe you can't do the face-to-face -face that you did in the past, right? And leveraging the power of video to really get through to those, right, other decision makers because more times than not, right, it's it's more than one that's going to make the decision for your whatever your solution is, right? So um, I love that, that piece and that aspect of, you know, the... The, 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 the second piece of it, right? Not, not, not the first call out, right? Not the first reach out, but leveraging the power of video, right? After the fact, once you sent that vo or voicemail, right? Once you sent that email. Um, and I think it's only going to escalate as, as things go along this year. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important to make sure you set it up, right? Especially if you're doing that to reach out to the boss, you know, I, I would not, I, I always have a very thorough conversation first to, you know, the discovery call and find out all this stuff. And then I say, you know, hey, I just had a great conversation with John uh, and he filled me in that these are some of the things you guys are having troubles with. And this is how I can help with them. And, you know, you're really doing the same thing you would do during a meeting. You're setting up their problem. You're setting up the fact that you understand their problem and setting up your solution to that problem. Now, of course, I will do a caveat to this, which is that Sometimes, particularly in the in the medical world, these are have a legal. You know, people don't want them doing. They're they're people doing it for legal reasons. Um, you know, product. You know, whatever. But for the most part, it seems like most people can can do that type of thing, and it is very effective. Awesome. All right. Well, lastly, t tell me about the golden rule of selling podcasts. How did it come about? And just give me a little insight in, into into what it is. Sure. Yeah. So the golden rule of selling podcast, I started it um, really as an extension of my business, which was, you know, the golden rule of selling sales training program. And I wanted it to be where we, I was interviewing customers. So you probably saw that on there where I, I try to interview customers. You know, I do all this great customer research where they tell me all these nuggets and I, I want to be able to share them with the world. I want to be able, I wanted people to be able to hear it from their own perspective and from the, from the person's own mouth without me saying, this is what customers tell me. But um, so, yeah, so it was, it's been really fun. I, I have been able to get um, several people on there that I feel like really are helping us as salespeople understand what it's like to be a customer so that we can treat them the way they want to be treated. That's the way I say it. You know, it's different to treat people the way I want to be treated, but I need to treat them the way they want to be treated because it's different often. Yeah. 
I love how you said that. And I'm, and I'm thinking of one last thing is the 80-20 rule, right? Um, where 80% of the time you should be listening, right? <laughs> um, but I know <laughs> with, with sales reps, right? Easier said than done. And, and boy, oh boy, just the, the, the power of the voice of the customer, right? And listening to what they have to say. I mean, if we can do that better, quicker, faster, I mean, hello, that's going to get you to the finish line um, better, right? Because you truly understand the pain, you truly understand the problem, <laughs> and then you can articulate effectively what that solution should be. Right. Absolutely. Awesome, Katie. Well, listen, thank you so much for being on this episode of How to Jab and Knock Out the Competition with Real Sales and Marketing Results. And we'll definitely have to have you on again in the very near future. Yeah, I would love it. And I just wanted to add to, I'm starting, a, I have a little boot camp coming up on April, on April 12th. If anybody okay. wants to come join me, it's a full uh, full class. So I'd so love to have you. Sorry. So real quick, pit, pitch it. What's, what's the boot camp all about? Okay, so I, I have always done where I've done only training for large companies, um, and I'll, I'll train the whole sales team at once, you know, five people, 10 people, 20 people, you know, 60 people, um, and, but people were coming to me on LinkedIn and saying, you know, I want you to train me, can you just train me? I wanted to fill that need. So um, it's a uh, five-week course that's um, video modules that are pre-recorded by me where I go through and, you know, give all my call, calling tips, all my email tips, all my LinkedIn uh tips, you know, video message, all that stuff in, in each its own module. And then we have weekly coaching calls as well. So. Hey everyone that out there on, on LinkedIn world, um, sign up for Katie's class. April the 12th is when it starts and trust me, you won't you regret it. it. She delivers powerful content. So Katie, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Thank you.